0: Amen. So the first portion of the Lord's prayer here in John 17 was regarding himself. He prayed for himself and then he moved on to praying for the disciples. Those had that had been walking with him, that had spent time with him and left all to follow him. You know, he he at one point made that call to them. You know, just you know, let's go, and they followed him. <clears throat> and he uh, he's praying for them now, and uh, he he went through a specific prayer for the disciples. And he made it very clear in his prayer that that he didn't pray for everybody, but he was praying for them specifically because they were about to face something they had never faced in their life. They uh, the the tribulation that they had coming. In their lives, uh, more more than uh, most can imagine. And it, when you're talking about uh, them giving their lives up for the Lord, and watching loved ones uh, giving their lives up for the Lord, being rejected, losing everything, and the Lord is is preparing them specifically because not only were they going to lose everything, but they were they were about to be, uh, as as you can read in Matthew 28, where they received the great commission to go and spread the gospel. Right there in Judea and Samaria and then and then it's spread through all the earth and uh, you know, These guys these normal people they're just there's just normal people you know some of them fishermen tax collector and God changes their life and then uses them to change the world You know that's it's quite a thing so when as the Lord is praying for them slow down and read that prayer I mean, even even if you're spending time reading it every day, we're going to be blessed because we understand, you know, what the Lord's mission was here, what his uh, desire is for those that are in uh, leadership and those that are uh, overall following him. And that's what we're going to study now is, is his high, high priestly intercessory prayer for all believers. Because if you look at, at, at verse 20, it says, I do not pray for these alone, speaking the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are in one, I in them, and you and me, and Uh, That they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given them. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, The world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love which you loved me, with which you loved me, may be in them uh, and I in them. That's quite a prayer. That is quite a prayer. And and we're going to break it down and go through it. If you didn't notice as we're reading, there's quite a focus on being one and unity and love. Those are powerful things that the church is lacking right now. The church is greatly lacking unity, greatly lacking a selfless love. God's love is a selfless love. <clears throat> and when, when, as we're reading through there and, and, and as we're studying through, you're going to see you know, more of, of what God's desire is for believers, Verse 1 says, I do not pray for these alone. Remember in verse 9, Jesus didn't pray for the world, but he specifically prayed for the disciples. And now Jesus is opening his prayer for more. In verse 20 continued, it says, uh, it's, it's describing those who will be uh, believe in me through their word. You know, that was a lot of people in the New Testament. Sometimes thousands added in a day. Just They go out and they would speak, and thousands of people, even being told, do not preach in the name of Christ, they would, and thousands of people would be saved that day. Saved. Just they'd be putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ when they heard the gospel. That's how it happens. Not only for them, but this also means us, 2,000 plus years later, when he says, for those who will believe in me through their word. You know, millions and millions of people have been saved by the, the gospel that God used them to spread in their lives. They used them, he used them, self-professed sinners. Self-professed sinners, the Lord grabbed them in the life they were in and said, come with me, change their life, and then use them. And he wants to do the same in each of us. We may have different gifts, we may have different callings, whatever it is, but the Lord doesn't want us to remain where we're at in our life maybe we're in a spot of floundering where we're like yeah i have a i have a head knowledge of the lord but i'm just stuck right here in this addiction i'm just stuck right here and i'm not moving forward go to the lord with it and say god i just i need you to take this not only do we want to be freed from that but lord i want to be used by you that living a life of victory in christ right it's that we can have that head knowledge we can have a belief in christ and walk in that belief and and just never really get to a point where we're standing strong because we're not we're just dragging that dead carcass behind us, right? How easy is it to move when we've got a carcass tied to our waist, right? Just dragging along. So well, I don't really want to lose this permanently, so I'm going to drag it along with me. That's silly, right? It's it's kind of kind of funny to think about, but it's sad that's often what we do. But these guys had had followed the Lord, and and we understand from this prayer with them is that the Lord was explaining uh, in this prayer, and as he's praying to the Father, that they have left all, and that the world hated them for it, and that God used these these uh, just everyday people to do an amazing thing. That two thousand plus years later, here we are in Trenton, Maine, looking at. Uh, the words that John, one of those guys uh, that had just been prayed for uh, in the portion that we studied a few weeks ago, is writing these things down that we might come to faith in Christ, and we did, and that's why we're here. You know, that, think of that. You know, when of, of how the Lord works, He's He's, he's amazing. You know, we're currently reading these words that were written here. You know, we we heard the words that the Lord had had passed along through men that went through a sanctification process in their life, being set apart. Uh, And uh, the Lord, uh, we know that once, even even though they believed in the Lord, they were walking with him. There were some knuckleheaded things they said and did, right? Who's the best? I'm the best. No, you're the best. No, I'm the best. No, you just said I'm the best. You know, just all all these arguments are confusing each other. All those things. You know, we had James and John you know they just went out and ministered and and instead of being like we just got to heal people we got to do all those things they're like man it was like i felt power coming from my fingers and and when when there were those that were opposing jesus they're like hey you know want us to just call fire down from heaven and wipe them all out they were they were missing the whole point of ministry ministry is for salvation that that sinners would be saved not seared you know come on guys right We know that here in just a little bit, Peter's going to deny the Lord. Three times. He's going to have three opportunities to say that he's affiliated with Jesus, that he knows him, and he denies him three times. How does our God work? He restores. He changes us. doesn't want us to remain where we're at. Once we've heard the gospel, we understand who Jesus Christ is and the power he has to forgive our sins, to renew us, to give us a new life, if we have that that head knowledge, if we understand that from reading in the scripture and that hasn't changed your life, you need to be broken by yourself with your Bible when you leave here. Sit down and cry out to the Lord. Don't leave here and come talk to me. I, I'm more than blessed, guys. Humble ourselves. You know, just just be able to go, hey, you know what? I There's, there's something missing. Can you pray with me? A hundred percent, yes. There's nothing going to be, it's not, it's. From this service, there's nothing more I look forward to than to go, hey, let's go pray for a sinner that wants to be changed, saved. This is it. Let's start a relationship with Jesus right now. I want to I just I get to be a witness of it and watch you do it. You know, praise God. He loves us and he wants to build us, he wants to use us. Now remember, we're reading these words. Remember in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That was years before this was being written. And years before, all these things that we're reading had taken place. The Lord knows the future, and he's in charge. He's very much in charge. We may convince ourselves that he's not. Our circumstances may lie to us and say that he's not, but he is very much in charge. And when he can look at them and say, follow me, and I'll make you, you fishermen, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're going to seek out men. You're going to catch them, and you're going, to t- you're going to give them the gospel. That's going to be your catch. That's a change for these guys. I know I've said it several times, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but for us to, get the, to understand the gravity of salvation and how God changes our lives, remember Peter's response when all those fish are getting poured into the, fi- into the boat, and Peter knew, knew something was different. We just spent all night fishing and didn't catch a thing. Jesus gives me one simple instruction of casting a net on the other side. And there's too many fish. We're sinking and everything. Peter understood who Jesus was at that point. And he, what does he do, do? He turns, he looks at Jesus he's like, you don't want anything to do with me. I'm a sinful man. If we haven't come to the point that we're sinful beings, it, I, I don't know what mirror we're looking in. Because we're We're sinners. We're selfish. God took those guys that that when Peter, uh, who made that declaration himself, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Not only did, and and then he goes on to deny the Lord three times. But we're also going to see next chapter, he's chopping people's ears off that are trying to take Jesus, right? You know, he's very zealous for uh, for Jesus, but he's also, uh, he knows he's a flawed man. He knows he's a sinner, he knows that he's weak inside. He's got a really thick shell, and he's really strong. But when it came to that, do you know who this guy is? he got to the point, and said, "I don't know him." He even gets to the point where he's he's cursing and saying i don't, I don't even know him. Those guys were the ones that Jesus Christ made into fishers of men, us that they that they lived their life for Christ. In the worst of times, there there churches on the run. Churches hide. Churches happening under buildings, and it's it's hiding. It's it's happening in secret and everything. And everybody that's persecuting the church thinks, ah, we're going to put it out. But all it did was make the fire rage even more. <clears throat> the Lord wanted to change their life, and He did. And it's the same. He hasn't changed. He doesn't. The Lord's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wants to do that in our life. He's going to use us. He's going to change us. I'm not sure that they, they knew exactly what he meant when he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I'm re- I, really, I really don't know if they knew what that meant. What's, what's he talking about? I don't know. How many times did they have that type of conversation? They're like, you guys know what he's talking about? And Jesus would be, oh, you guys are probably talking about what I just said, and he would spell it out for them, right? So I, I, I have to wonder. You know, you know, But they were obedient to his call. They didn't know. So they decided they were going to obey him, not knowing exactly what was going to transpire in their life. Not knowing that they would witness what they did in their lives. You know, not knowing that uh, that he was exactly he knew exactly who they were and he was going to change them. Not knowing that he was going to use them to perform miracles. Miracles. You know, just just think of how God used these ordinary people and how how he, he turned the world upside down using ordinary people. They didn't know how he was going to use them. So powerfully for his glory that in the face of persecution, they would preach to thousands in his name. They would be used to spread the gospel to people near and far that they uh, that they would come to a point of rejoicing at being persecuted for his name. Remember, we studied that a few weeks ago. In Acts, they they had just got done being beaten and threatened. I think it was Acts 4. uh, Beaten and everything. They come out, and they're like, that was awesome. You know, and they're celebrating. They were so excited that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name. They didn't know any of this when when Jesus said, come and and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, that they were going to preach in front of kings and governors, and they were going to stand boldly by the power of his spirit. Because remember, when Peter was in the garden uh, with Jesus, and you know he was bold with Jesus being there, but as soon as Jesus wasn't there physically in his presence, that's when he got scared. And that you know when he's in that spot, and even a little girl comes up, "Are you one of them?" And, and he's he's even scared to confess in front of a little girl. Oh. these guys didn't know they would eventually end up laying their lives down to follow Jesus when he said, "Follow me, and I'll make you fishermen." That's that's a powerful thing that that God does. Uh, in and through the lives of ordinary people that are obedient to Him and are seeking His face, these guys were the ones that were responsible for spreading uh, the gospel, to responding to the Great Commission, and just going out and 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 preaching. You know, and think of of when they got out there and they started uh, they started spreading the word, and and they get to a point where they're they're preaching for the the first time openly in Acts and uh, they, they're, they're out spreading the word, and how were they received? What, it, what was the response Acts 2.42 says, and they, as people heard the gospel, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. I know that in their lives they were probably saying, did you ever think when Jesus said that, that he was going to actually use us for any of this stuff? remember when Jesus was doing this? remember when, when this was happening and they can they look back and can you believe what the Lord is doing through us? It, when he called us to be fishers of men, you know I, I, the, the, that conversation had to be strong. It had to be powerful. A lot, a lot of times sitting by the lantern, I think at night, when everything had settled down, can you believe what's happening right now? You know they just just normal people that were obedient. So that we could hear the gospel, that we could. You know, uh, this week, uh, this week uh, I think it was two days ago, St. Patrick's Day, right? <clears throat> and uh, I know in our culture, it's funny you put something green on, and you know people are pinching each other, all those things. And years ago, I'm like, who was this guy? You know, who was this guy? And and to understand who this man was. And what his priority was, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you something. I I, I don't post much on Facebook, um, and I don't know why I, I put it on there, but I you know it it's just one of those um, you know in a, in a time where I went and got my haircut that day, <clears throat> uh, Friday yeah it was Friday and I got out of work and I went up to get a haircut and sitting there and I'm listening to people in the barbershop shop talking about oh we're gonna go get green beer we're gonna go get whatever it is okay. It, don't get me wrong, I lived the stupid life for, for a few years in my life, um, just going down the whole party, whatever. The the emptiness that's there, the, the stupidity that goes along with it. But I, I just realized that okay, so it's Saint Patrick's Day, say it's St. Patty's Day, you're gonna get corned beef and you're gonna get the sandwich and you know you're gonna get all the, the great. You know what? Celebrate Irish heritage, I think it's awesome, you know? But who was the man? You know, and, and uh, so I found this, uh, this is a portion of his prayer uh, that I'm going to read to you. And I, when when we're considering uh, who this man was, consider this. And consider the stupidity that happens just in our country alone. I, I don't know what happens all around the world. But I know everybody gets out, they want green beer, they want green Milkshakes, whatever, you know, whatever it is. Okay, I'm not saying if you get a shamrock shake, you're in sin or anything. I'm just just saying, all right. Saint Patty's Day, Saint Patrick's Day. Alright. This is a, a part of this is a portion of his prayer. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me. Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. That everything about us, when people think of us, when the people speak of us, that we would be reflecting Christ, that we would be little Christs, right? Christian means Christ follower or little Christs. You know that that whole mission, when when they that, that commission that they got from from God, go and spread the gospel. And Jesus praying for those that would hear what these these guys, the disciples, had to say. That's us. What it, what does that mean? You know, do, does the world does does our relationship with Christ uh, is that evident in our life outside of here? Is it evident to those around us that we are Christians? by the way we talk, by the way we act, uh, and, and, and our habits, and all those things. Is Christ the one that they see, or do they just see us? I, I love that. You know, when, when we consider what, what uh, these guys were called to do was to spread the gospel to those that would hear. And now here we are 2,000 years later, because these guys were faithful to the calling that they were called. Verse 21, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So what is the Lord praying for here? Unity, unity in God's perfect love to his glory, that we would be rightly connected to Christ and rightly connected to each other. When Jesus is talking about that that we would be one, remember in verse eleven, Jesus prayed that the disciples would be united. Now he's praying for all believers that they would be one. Jesus prayed for the unity of church of the church that would uh, follow the same pattern of his relationship with the Father, the Father in him, he and us, and the Father in us. you know that the church would be filled with God's perfect love and that the world would see something different in what we have to offer. What is the difference? The unity in Christ. I don't know much about that church, but man, do they love each other, but man, aren't they bound in Christ? I watched the, uh, the NCAA wrestling. I might, you guys know my, I, I love wrestling and I watched the NCAA wrestling championships and the finals were yesterday. And, um, Beth, did you watch it? Yeah. And there are a couple of those guys that absolutely love Jesus. And they come off the mat and they're just preaching. They're literally preaching. Hey, you know, how, how did you win that? I mean, these guys are the at the absolute pinnacle of collegiate wrestling. They're division one and they're sweating and they just got done for seven minutes. Think have you ever, have you ever wrestled with somebody for like 20 seconds and you're tired? Consider somebody who's in tip-top shape. And then another guy that's in tip-top shape and they're banging heads for seven straight minutes, exhausted. And then they just win the championship and they, they grab their headgear and they're trying to get there. And as soon as they step off the mat, people are like, so great. You know, I know there were times when I wrestled, i just go over and I'd sit there and I'd be like, Don't, like, I can't even talk. I'm so exhausted. And these guys are so much better than I was. And I, I know how tired I was. And then the first things out of their mouth aren't like, oh, you know, it was all glory to God. Go, and, and one of them's like, it was Jesus. And he's like, there's one God, and Jesus is his name. <laughs> you know, he's like, it's not Muhammad. He's like, he's literally saying this in his, like, 10 seconds after he steps off the mat. He's using his time to glorify God. It was amazing to see that the church and, and and what was cool is the guy goes over and and the guy from another team who had just lost his national championship match. Uh, he's a a prior uh, championship uh, wrestler before he comes over and gives him a hug. And he goes, you guys share a common faith. Don't you? It was awesome. Right. Beth, did you see that? It was so awesome. He's like, Oh yeah, you got, you guys have a, have a, a a call. You guys are bound together in faith or something. I can't remember. And I was like, It is evident to these guys, and and it's it's, everybody seeing around the world. And that's just two guys with a platform that they had just to say, I love Jesus. One of them's uh, headband just says, I love Jesus on it. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, it was great that the world would see a unity in Christ in the church. Verse 22 And the glory which you have given, uh, which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me, and that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That it would be, uh, as you're looking uh, through verses 22 and 23, the Lord is talking about glory and he's talking about love. Second Corinthians four, six says for it is the, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the faith face of Jesus Christ, God shown uh, on our hearts, it says, you know, when, when Jesus is praying about glory and love here, how do we get that from the Lord, from the Lord shining into our lives and changing our lives as it's saying here? I'm going to read it again because I stumbled through it a little bit. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shone in your hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How do we get to that point where we're understanding Jesus Christ's glory, we're understanding his love? God shines the one that, that spoke the world into existence, spoke light into existence, shone on our hearts, it says. God has shone on our hearts. Jesus is speaking of the glory that, that has been uh, received, that he had received and bestowed on us, that glory of understanding his presence, his word, his spirit, and his love. You know, if Jesus is taking time in his final time in prayer to pray for us, we need to understand how important that is. It's the last thing he was saying. This, these last verses, 20 to 26, it's the last recorded outside of him crying out to the Lord, uh, to, to the Father on, on the cross. Uh, Father, into your hands I, I commit my spirit. And to tell us uh, you know, it is finished. Outside of that, what was he spending his time doing? Praying for us. If he's doing that, we need to understand how important that is for us and how important it is to God for the church to be united in him. How important is the unity? How how important is the church being united in the name of Christ? Uh, How important is that? Well, it's the last thing he prayed for. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? It's the last thing he prayed for that we can see here, just recorded right here. In his last prayer, he's interceding. He prays for himself. He says, you know, let, let me get set and give you the glory that, that I was supposed to do on this mission here, Father. The, the, the Father will be glorified. Then he prays for the disciples and he prays for us. In his last prayer, verse 23, where he's speaking, I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one as Christ dwells in us we bear a change in our life the fruits of his spirit then start so as Christ is in us there's going to be something that comes out of us right if we're if we're properly aligned to cr- with Christ there's going to be something that comes out of our life to reflect that if that doesn't if that isn't happening go seek his face in prayer Lord, I'm not seeing any fruit in my life. Okay, then are we properly connected to the vine, right? As we abide in him, that fruit's going to happen. As Christ dwells in us, you know, we're going to bear his fruit. Galatians 5, verses 22 through 25, going to be a very familiar uh, passage to you. Verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. These are things that should be present in our lives. Joy, peace, long-suffering. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Where Jesus had just prayed in verse 21, I in them and you and me that they may be made perfect. We can't be made perfect outside of Christ. When Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. And then there's the command for us to abide in Him. As we abide in Him, what should be present in our life is love, joy, peace. And you go all through all of that. Notice number one was love. Love. A few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we talked about sanctification. We are when we've accepted Christ, we're immediately uh, we're we're uh, at a point where we're being set apart to the Lord. So we're, we're immediately sanctified. And then there's a process of sanctification throughout our lives that God is just purifying. He's, he's, he's pruning things out of our lives. He's setting us apart that, that as we grow in our relationship with him, things start falling off. You know, there, sometimes there have been people that when they get saved, it, boom, light switch done. My old life's gone. I'm new. Other people's like, yeah, the lights on, but it's crackling a little bit because I got this and this that needs to get pruned out of my life. That the Lord just it is so faithful to just sanctify us. And, just, and, and there are several scriptures that we looked at of being sanctified. That as we're, as we're going through, God's just taking this out and taking this out and this out. And this is being removed <clears throat> from our lives. That purification that happens in our life. I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one as we're walking with him and being made perfect, being sanctified, there, we're going to experience a life um, with order and being filled with God's love. That God's love would flow into us and out from us to be shared with others. That uh, as we're joyful, we're going to have peace. We're going to ha- be patient and kind we're going to be able to be good and faithful and gentle and have self-control. Those things are going to happen as Christ is is living in us and we're submissive to Him and as we're abiding in Him, as we're uh, submitting our own will to Him. Oh, hey, I'm noticing at this point in my life, I'm at this point and I don't want to let this go. Okay, then you can stay right there. We talked on Wednesday night about wrestling with God and how that worked for Jacob. Yeah, he might have had a good hold, but all Jesus had to do uh, was was put his hand right on something. Oh, take, takes his his hip right out. There's your strength, Jacob. It's gone. Jesus can do the same in our lives. Put his hand right on whatever it is. What's, what about this right here? Shrinks right up. I'm, whoa. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I need to, I need to relinquish that. He loves us. Doesn't want us to stay the same. As we are, just remember in that prayer, it says, I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And as we're being uh, cleansed and as things are, are happening in our life and the Lord is working in our lives, we're then a blessing to one another. You know, we're considering others more important than ourselves. We're not hateful or spiteful. We have a unity that comes from the Holy Spirit as we're being made perfect in him. A few verses to consider. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6. I, th- I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to, work, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, enduring to keep the unity of the Spirit, right? Unity, unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling one lord one faith one baptism one god and father overall uh, father of all who is above all and through all and in you all right remember remember what jesus said i and them you and me that they may be made perfect in one that he would be living in us as he is, look at the look at what Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, and, and verse uh, verses uh, you know one through six of Ephesians four, and he's what does he say? We're we're called to a, a spirit of lowliness, gentleness, patience, is long suffering, bearing with one another in love, enduring, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So Jesus prayed that and no doubt the the disciples heard it, Paul wasn't there to hear that. Paul was a Pharisee, right? Paul was one that was persecuting Jesus. So much so that when Jesus had ascended and and the church is, is spreading everywhere, Paul hates Jesus so much that he is so excited to get people to force them to blaspheme the name of Christ and to throw him into prison, and he's standing there holding everybody's coats while they stone Stephen to death in Acts chapter 7. Then something happens. Paul meets Jesus Christ, and his life changes. And as his life changes, he accepts the Lord. The Lord's living in him. And what, is the, what does he write about? He wasn't there to hear this prayer. What is he writing about? The unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. He didn't hear that prayer. In the, he probably heard about the prayer in the, in the garden. It's the Spirit that's working, the Spirit living in us, ministering to Paul, ministers to us. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 10 through 13. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind And in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now, I say this, that each of you uh, says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? When Paul is is like here you guys are you were all one church and now you're all you just wanted to divide no we're better no we're better no we're better right no we're the right ones no you're the wrong ones no we're following Jesus well, we're following Paul hello same Holy Spirit it's just everybody's pride getting mixed in there Galatians two twenty says this I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. John fourteen twenty three. Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Right? What did Jesus say? I in them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. Galatians 220 it said no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and then John 14 23 we will come and make our home with him if anyone loves me let him keep my word we'll come in and make our home with him verse 23 continued that the world may know the second half of verse 23 says that the world may know you know how will they know John 1335 said this the Lord said this by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How how does the world know that we're different? That we love one another. That there's a love. There's something different in the church than what is available on the outside. Outside these walls. This isn't really. This isn't. This isn't where we just you know practice a religion of of Christianity. This is where we all get together, meet. And sing and sing to the Lord meet uh, get into his word pray together and then we go out right and then as we go out they don't see the same things they don't see us backstabbing they don't hear us backstabbing each other out there and all those things there's something different about the church there's supposed to be a unity within the church that's different by this they'll know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another that we wouldn't be divided, but united in him. The church can be very much divided on nearly everything as we move forward in the flesh. Isn't that true? Anything, anything. What color are we going to do the walls, right? People there, somebody here, you. (laughs) It it was Shane telling me that there was like a church split over like the painting of the walls or the color of the carpet. He was in a church where there was a church split over the color of the carpet. Guys, that is dumb. That is not godly. That is not from the Holy Spirit. Oh, wow. John Trapp, 1600s Bible scholar, said this. But what a sad thing was it that a heathen should soon after have cause to say, no beasts are so mischievous to men as Christians are to one another. When he, he's he's describing that, that you know a, a beast might be a pest to men and everything, but he's saying the beast or, 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 or uh, you know, an animal bothering men, it's nothing compared to what Christians were doing to one another in the 1600s. He says, but what a sad thing was it that a heathen should soon after have cause to say no beasts are so mischievous to men as Christians are to one another. That's wow. If that doesn't kick us in the teeth, I don't know what's going to. Should be praying for each other, loving one another. You know, Christians can can beat each other's throats over the smallest of things, carpet, whatever it is, completely miss the big things that we share. You know, they're too busy about the sign, the name of the sign. Oh, no, we, we you know, the, the sign in our church, says this says we're this type of church. Really. So if we meet together and praise in the park or, you know, we, we see each other somewhere and uh, you know, are, are we not going to be united in Christ? Are we still brother and sister in Christ, guys? There, there are, there are times where even as something as silly as a carpet or whatever will will keep people from even out in you know the grocery store from greeting one another. Oh, they're the red carpenters over there, right? It's stupid. Ah. Now, don't get me wrong. There are things that, as believers, we have to be dead set on. We have to be dead set on. We do. I mean, some of these, you know, the Trinity. Uh, we, we, As Christians, we can't deny the Trinity. If, if somebody's not uh, acknowledging the Trinity, okay, are we brothers and sisters? Uh, okay, let's look some more. You know, uh, there's no other God. There's one God. Man's need for a Savior, that we're sinners. Jesus Christ came in the flesh, died, rose, went to heaven, that he's returning. Those are, those are. if we don't have those, okay, are we even, okay, so you belong in a cult. Okay, okay, so let's have a different discussion here. But for me, okay, if we, let, let's, uh, I'm just going to make up a scenario. Airport, you're in an airport, you bow your head to pray. Somebody comes over, wow, oh, how you doing? I just noticed you were praying, I'm a Christian also. Uh, you guys ever had that, that stuff happen? You ever had that, like at a Burger King and Brewer, right? (laughs) That happened to us. I think it was Burger King and Brewer or something. Um, We were just praying as a family, and somebody comes over and says something. We're part of a massive family, and that we would be united in Christ, that there would be – because when we're together, right, If, if we're alone, how strong are we, right? We get to a point where we're just exhausted, Poor Tom, you know, had his surgery and he's been stuck in his house and he just watching him come in. He's like, it's been so boring at my house. He was saying this morning, you know, and, and, and when, when Paul comes in, he's got a a cracked femur and uh, he just wanted to be in fellowship. You know, he had his surgery. What? I don't know how long ago, a week ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. Sorry, Tom. I don't remember. He's out there uh, listening to us. Uh, quote from Spurgeon, We are to be faithful to truth, but we are not to be of a contentious spirit, separating ourselves from those who are living members of the one and indivisible visible body of Christ. To promote the unity of the church by creating new divisions is not wise. Cultivate at once the love of the truth and the love of the brethren. Sp- Spurgeon also said, Why are we not one? Sin is the great dividing element. The perfectly holy would be perfectly united. The more saintly men are, the more they love their Lord and one another. And thus, they come into closer union uh, with each other. As we're walking with the Lord, unity should be evident in our life. Sometimes we're going to have to work toward it. We're going to have to really push. Ephesians chapter 4, a brother of mine um, uh, had, had posted this. Uh, he's from Washington, and I got to text him and say, hey, I used that, that verse that you shared. Ephesians 4.32 says, and be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. Sometimes it's going to take that, all right, we both need to humble ourselves, go before the Lord together and just pray. How do we get through this? How do we get through this as, as friends? As, you know, father and son or mother and and son, daughter, whatever it is. How do we get through this as a couple? How do we get through this as in our marriage? Go to the Lord. There would be unity. The world should see love and unity and be, be drawn to it, understanding that it came from Christ who was sent from the Father that we might experience his love and walk together in it. As Jesus is praying this prayer for unity, we need to understand when Jesus came here, this was part of the mission, that we would be united in him. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 16. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the, Lord, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That unity that comes just from you know what I you know we just let's just put it aside and go to Jesus. You know that as I just read all those things, you know that humility, that meekness, that longs so term bearing. One, to one, sometimes there's some bearing that needs to happen, right? It just happens. You know I just gotta I've gotta bear with this one you know we it doesn't mean that that all of us are gonna you know hold hands and skip around in the circle and and everything, but we're called to be united in Christ. We're not called to be like the world would be Oh, Let me tell you about that. you know talking to each other, backbiters, haters of God, right? Just sitting here just speaking bad about one another, oh no, just as we just read in here, let the peace of God ruin our hearts to which we are called to one body teaching and admonishing one another that's those those are powerful uh, powerful scriptures it says it says that there's a, a bond of perfection Christ is the ultimate expression of love and is the bonding agent between believers what is the glue that holds the church together Jesus he is the one so as we're connected to Christ we as a church uh, as we're following him and we're obeying his words, he's going to have his way in us and he's going to change us. He's going to draw us together in him. What a wonderful prayer of our high priest. Once again, he's praying about unity and he's repeating it as we're reading here in his final prayer. If it's an utmost importance to the Lord, it should be to us also. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they may also have given me May uh, Sorry, let me back up. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, and they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you have loved me before the foundation of the world. John 14, verses 1 through 3, what did Jesus say to the disciples? Let not your heart be troubled. He just told them he's going to leave, right? Uh, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus just said that we would be with him, right? In verse 24, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be where I am. Jesus made that, he's praying that in John 17, and he, he already declared that to the disciples in John 14, as he d- began that three-chapter discourse, 14, 15, and 16, of, of uh, sharpening them and preparing them. It's the desire of our Savior to be with us, and us in him. and it, Just think of what a, what a wonderful and perfect love that our Savior is praying that we would be with him and then he carries out that ultimate selfless act of dying on the cross for us that his blood would be poured out to cover our sins all that we might be with Jesus that and he says that they may be held my glory you know think of how the lo- the world treated him with shame and hatred and contempt <clears throat> the world will be judged accordingly we the ones that are saved will see his glory and uh, we understand that the scriptures say that at, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. My encouragement is, is why not start now? Right? I'd rather bow in, in adoration and in love and cry out to my Savior rather than to bow and just be like, what did I just do? You guys, have you ever been to that, that day of reckoning or that thing of reckoning that happened, especially when I was a kid in life? Like, I just did this. And man, when dad gets home. Right? <laughs> you know you're in trouble. You know when we know we're in trouble I'd rather just just go to the Lord and say I'm going to bow my knee in humble submission to you now. You know we'll be with Jesus in heaven. We'll behold his glory. He first came as a as a humble servant and we'll see him eventually soon I believe as a conquering king coming. You know when you can consider something uh, where, where the scripture describe him as, you know, his scars being like trophies, his eyes are like fire. Revelation 21, verses 22 and 23. But I saw, in speaking of, of heaven itself, it says, But I saw no temple, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. That, that God himself, that, you know, when you think of what Jesus went through on this earth, and then you think of heaven, that he is the light of heaven. There's no need for that beautiful sun that we have out there that we've been desperately waiting for, right? We've had a beautiful uh, weekend here, but uh, we don't need the sun to rise there. It's Jesus's presence that's going to be the light. You know, all these things are, uh, you know, as we as we look through and and. Uh, we understand all the blessings that the Lord has for us. The greatest blessing we have in the Lord is that he himself is our reward. He said that all the way back in Genesis 15 to Abraham. right? That he would be his exceedingly great reward. He'd be his shield. Jesus Christ is what, we, what we're desiring. The second half of 24 says, For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Christ is eternal. He's always existed. God created what we in, exist inside of, outside of time, space, and matter. We only know time, space, and matter because that's what we exist inside of. This is what makes sense to us. You know, I can—that makes sense to me. But there's a whole different world that's just going to blow our socks right off if we have socks. I, I, I doubt we'll probably. Hopefully, we're flying. Um, I don't. I don't know. But that—that uh, that Jesus Christ is eternal. He says that he had glory before the world began. God's eternal and God is love. He's always has been, always will be, and he can't be anything other than that. that. That's who he is. Micah five two says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you were little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler of, in Israel whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. That Jesus Christ, if you look in there, it's speaking of Jesus Christ, the ruler of Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. So when Jesus is saying, That glory I had with you before, he's eternal. John uh, 1 John 4, verses 8 and verse 16 say, For he who does not know uh, who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verse 16 says, And we have known and believed. The love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. All this unity of the Father and us, and, uh, and us together, it's all bound uh, together by God's love, by Christ himself. Verse twenty-five: "O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. I love that he says, O righteous Father. Jesus is glorifying the righteousness of the Father before going to the cross. Before going to the cross, Jesus is speaking of the Father's righteousness. Think of what happened to him on that cross. For our unrighteousness, not his. It says the world hasn't known him, but they have. Through the work completed in the power of the Holy Spirit, we know him. Verse 26. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you love have uh, with which you loved me uh, may be in them, and I in them. I have declared your name, God's name. Orthodox Jews won't write G-O-D out; they'll put G dash D, just in reverence for Him. Uh, Old Testament uh, manuscript. We don't have the the actual um, original manuscripts, but they would they was they were an abbreviation for what we believe is Yahweh or jehovah right? And uh, and they because they wouldn't use the vowels, they just use the consonants Y H W H. That that holy name, such reverence for it, they won't even write it. Think of how God's name is abused right now. Think, just think of it. When you go in the water cooler, Beep, bleep, 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 And they've like just strung it all together somehow. Like, I've never heard that combination. And these guys won't even write it. They have such reverence for the Lord. I have declared your name and will declare. He is God and Jesus is God. We've, we've, we've covered that several times. He declared your name. Uh, he says, I have declared your name and will declare it. Jesus was so faithful in his ministry even to the end. He revealed and lived out the character and the nature of God the Father. Hebrews 1.3 uh, describes that Jesus is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person, that Jesus Christ himself. So when he says, I have declared your name and will declare it by being who he is, Jesus Christ is the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. We want God's love in us. We want Jesus in us. You know, the love of the Father and the love of the Son. You know, there is no greater love. Jesus prayed that God's love would be in us. As we're closing this out, love is what it's all about. God so loved the world with a perfect and selfless love, didn't he? If we have not love, we have nothing, as 1 Corinthians 13 says. Without love, unity is impossible. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8 says, Love suffers long and is kind, does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Jesus prayed for unity. In a high priestly prayer, the high priest, and I know I'm like three minutes over, and I'll, I'll speed this up here as, as much as I can. The high priest uh, held an ex- a very exclusive office. Their job was to represent God to the people and the people to God. They were supposed to be that mediator. And we, we know that there's only one mediator between God and man, and we know that that's what Jesus has done for us and what he does for us is intercede for us. He's the one that that represents God, because he is God, to us, and us to God, right? We have that advocate with the Father in Jesus Christ. That that if if we were in a courtroom, guilty as sin, No, we're guilty, but we got Jesus as our lawyer, uh, take that breath. Amen. Thank you, Lord, right? So he prayed for his disciples, and he prayed for you and me. Think about that. God prayed for us. God the Son prayed for us. He does pray for us. The, the, the Scriptures tell us that the Spirit makes, uh, when we don't know what to say, that, that He groans, that he, that he intercedes for us and He prays for us when we don't know what we ought to pray for. Jesus prayed for unity in the church, that we'd live out God's perfect love and glorify Him with our lives prayed that part of his last prayer. Let that sink in. Like if you're leaving here, like what, what, what did we talk about? I know it's easy to do, guys, because we got a million things on our minds. And when you're leaving, what, what did we talk about at church? Jesus saying that we need to be united and that we need to love. Be united together. The church needs to be united in him. That love and unity, that the world would see something different, that they would desire it, and that they would share it that they would see us sharing it in our actions and in our words. It's all about Jesus. Our lives uh, lived out uh, as they uh, glorify him and draw the lost in. So this last recorded prayer shows the priorities of his earthly ministry. Verse 1, that God would be glorified. Verse 17, the sanctity of the church. Verses 18 and 19, winning the lost world verses 21 and 23 the unity of the church colossians speaks of, of the church being knit together that they uh, that the world may believe that we'd be knit together for anybody who knits or crochets right you can tie that thing pretty tight and I don't even know how it works but that's what it's talking about being knit together okay the message of the importance of unity uh, was passed along by these apostles that heard this prayer you know his prayer summarizes the gifts he has given Eternal life, the word, and his glory. Lastly, he's overcome the world. He's given us victory over sin. He set us apart to the Father by his word. He calls us deeper to him. He calls us to unity in him. Amen? Amen. Would you guys stand with me and we'll pray? Oh, Lord, let us be united. Let the church be united. Our enemy is hard at work right now just wanting to bring division and separation. Lord, that the church would unite in you. God, that we would set apart little differences, colors of rugs or whatever it might be. Forgive us for that, Lord. And that you'd fill us with your love. And as we're filled with your love, that you are in us, Lord, that you would knit us together in unity in you. Oh, God, that this lost world would know who you are because of our love for each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.